Amen. Let me give you a couple other facts about Israel. There's 9 million people. When they do the numbers, there's 2% Christianity. That includes cults and Catholicism. And to tell you about the scope of it, um, not a lot of Christians there. And uh, so the need is very, very great. Okay. Um, we uh, are planning to go in November, and uh, we are planning to leave the Saturday following Thanksgiving. Uh, a guy from my mission board and myself are going over to meet with an attorney and try to get some paperwork started, and uh, we're looking forward to getting over there more permanently. But anybody have a question, anything about Israel? Uh, gasoline's $9 a gallon. You think it's bad here. You ought to go to Israel. Um, let's see. Great. If you love fruit and vegetables, man, it's the breadbasket of the Middle East. They, they have, it has become a land of milk and honey, no doubt. They can grow, I mean, they grow, I've seen orchards and orchards, as far as you can see, is oranges, uh, dates, figs, you name it, they grow it. Watermelon, they have a 10-month growing season, because as you see on the map there, Israel's real long, they got a 10-month growing season. Anybody have any question about Israel, sir? I was telling preacher, the younger generation are open, more open. I wouldn't say all of them, but the younger generation, and, and I think, I'll tell you, me personally, I believe we're living in the last days. Okay, let me say that. The period of time we're living in, according to the book of Romans, what Paul says, it's the, the, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come. That's the period, church age. We're living in the fullness of Gentiles. But... If you read the rest of that, I think it's in Romans 11 where he says that, and then it's going to be Israel. God's going to deal directly with Israel again, and God's not done with them. But anyway, to answer your question, I've witnessed from the northern border up on the Syrian-Lebanese border, Israel's like a diamond. Okay, let me give you a quick geography lesson. The body of water at the bottom is called the Red Sea. In the middle, you got the Dead Sea. Over on the western coast, you got the Mediterranean. What do you have? Red Dead Med. Got it? Red Dead Med. That's what you got to remember, right? But anyway, I've been all over the country, and what I've found is the younger generation tend to be open. They're, and the reason for that is because they're, they're tired of the cold, dark religion. They're tired of it. Anybody else have a question about Israel? Anything? Sir? Does this size that was given on your I wish. Uh, they don't have the, Israel doesn't possess the whole promised land. The promised land in, in uh, Genesis, what God deeded to them was from the uh, Nile River yeah. to the Euphrates, okay, which encompasses Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, you know. Uh, but to answer your question, no, it's Israel proper. So, Israel proper. Anybody else have a question about anything about Israel? Two of them, yes. So you talk about hard to witness and have to count secretly. Are there any um, Baptist churches? Yeah, there's a few, not many, but there's a few. There, there's a group called Messianic Christianity. There's more so of that. Some of that leans Pentecostal, certainly contemporary. Okay, but as far as Baptist churches, not so many. A handful, you know, I can count maybe five, and they're all small. So do they have to make safely, or do they allow that to 
it depends. If, if it's being operated by a missionary who doesn't have residency, they're more laying low. If it's somebody who is um, nationally uh, Israeli, then they can be open. So if it's, if it's an Israeli, they can be open. For us, we're going to work more in the north. And in the north, when I say north, I mean up toward the Lebanese border, uh, up above Galilee. Up in that region, it's easier to witness. The closer you get to the heart, to Jerusalem, the harder it is. So we're not going to probably work right in Jerusalem. We're probably going to be more up north. Anybody else have any question? I saw another hand. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, no, it's not. And you have to be careful, and I, I really want to stress this, be careful who you send your money to, uh, because those commercials, what we have found in people I know who live in Israel, they will make those commercials, and they are pocketing 90-some percent of the money. That's what happens. So I could tell you, if you wanted to know legitimate places where you could send your money to a nonprofit, for example, I know a place you could send it to, and I know that it's going to be used right. But uh, friends of mine run a nonprofit called Nehemiah Project. Anybody ever hear of that, Nehemiah Project? No. Anyway, um, they help those people. They help new immigrants coming in uh, to the country, and very close friends of mine. And so I know they're using the money rightly, but a lot of that kind of stuff, you have to be very careful because they're good at putting up a commercial, but the reality of it's not there. Okay. Yeah, it, it is hard to fathom. But you know what? I was just re referencing the book of Romans. You know what else Paul says? Paul says, and all Israel shall be saved. There's coming a day, my brother. It's coming. That's what I'm looking for. And I, I just want to host some ground before it happens. Amen? Really? You know? Anyway, anybody else have a question? Y'all over here, have any, these people over here have questions. What's wrong with y'all over here? Nobody have a question over here? Okay. Yes, sir. All right, we got one in the middle. Uh, it's not Jehovah Witnesses. Okay, got that? Um, it's literal. I take, listen, you always take scriptural literally unless it's clearly figurative. Okay, that's my premise, all right? That's my practice. So when it says 144,000, that's what it means. When it says from each tw of the 12 tribes, that's what it means. Do we know who they are? Nope. I don't, but God does. God knows who they are. So it's literally 144,000 Jewish young men taught in both Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. Very clear. Who will be saved during the tribulation? By the end of the tribulation, all Israel shall be saved. Right. Well, they're going to get saved early on because in, in Revelation 14, they are called the first fruits. And then if, if they're called the first fruits, I have to ask the question of what? First fruits of what? First fruits of the tribulation. I think they'll get saved early on. God will use them to witness. God will use four methods to witness during the tribulation. 144,000 Jewish uh, witnesses. He'll use the two witnesses. The angel who will eventually fly through the air giving the everlasting gospel. And he'll use Christians as well. Okay? 
Anybody else? Good question, brother. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Much more than what my slide presented. They've been getting third twenty-five, thirty thousand a year. Their projections for the next two years are one hundred and fifty thousand. If people are, and they're not really sure why. They can't really. They don't know if it's the virus or certainly persecution of Jews around the world is driving it. I have personally met Jews from all over the world. In uh, what is it? Uh, where, where are we at there? Is it um, uh, Hertz, up in Hertzlia? There's a whole section of French Jews. I, I've been at the Wailing Wall and met New Yorkers who, who left New York City and, and left America, you know. So, yeah, there is. The new prime minister, uh, Naftali Bennett, was an American. Did you know that? He's the only prime minister. That's true. His parents were from California. And uh, they immigrated over to Israel, and Naftali Bennett, the new prime minister, uh, when, he, when he was raised in Israel, he had a dual citizenship, Israeli and U.S. And when he entered, uh, he was in uh, the military, and then when he entered politics, you can't hold a governmental position in Israel and maintain a foreign uh, passport, or not a passport, foreign um, citizenship. And so he had to... Uh, release or relinquish his U.S. citizenship to enter politics. But that's his background. So very interesting, but good question. All right, I'll tell you what. I, you don't want to be here till 9 o'clock, so let's turn to Romans chapter 10, okay? And I'll tell you what, right after the service, we will be over here at the table. If you have any questions about Israel, we'd love to answer them, okay? Romans chapter 10, we're just going to look at one verse, okay? One verse, look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Watch what it says here. Brethren, Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this church. We pray tonight that you'll be with our service. We pray tonight for our military overseas. Lord, we ask that you'll watch over them, give grace to them, Lord. We pray that you'll give us open hearts to your holy word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Romans 10, the Apostle Paul talks about his desire. Not every desire is bad. Some desires are good. Let me give you an example. How many here this morning, you had a desire, I'll give you the Hebrew word, for some cafe. Anybody like that? Coffee? You drink that in the morning, right? How many here, every once in a while, you get a desire for, I don't, I'll give you the Hebrew word, chocolate. That's chocolate. Anybody here like chocolate? Now, how many here in the same day like both coffee and chocolate on the same day? So, lady, preacher, look around. These are your hyperactive people right here, okay? <laughs> All right, yeah, the girl, lady back here is ready to give thumbs up, right? Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a simple desire like that, but when it comes to spiritual things, our desires need to be in line with God's Word, amen? Our desires need to line up with the Bible. And here, Paul talks about his desire, and it's to see souls saved. I got news for you. God wants to see people saved. I believe part of this whole virus thing. I think God's trying to get man's attention. You know how I know that? Because I've read the book of Revelation. 
In the book of Revelation, there are three series of judgments. There's the seal judgments, seven of them. Then there's the trumpet judgments. Then there's the bowl judgments. As you study that through Revelation, they get consecutively and progressively worse. You know why? God's trying to get man's attention. There, there are several places in the book of Revelation where, watch this, God will drop a judgment, watch, and then give his commentary. And his commentary is, and they repented not. He'll drop a judgment, and then he gives a commentary. Neither repented they of their works. And I'll tell you what, I believe this virus, God's trying to get man's attention, and man has done a poor job in responding. But we, we live in it. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you want to see souls saved? You ought to if you're a Christian. So what we see here is we need to have a heart for souls. We need to have a heart for the people of Israel. First, by seeing Paul's call. Watch what he says here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, when he says brethren, now let's think a little bit. Who is he talking to? Now, I know Christians in general, but specifically, who is Paul addressing? Specifically, what church? Rome. Where's that at? Italy. So, is Paul writing to a bunch of Jews? No. He's writing, why would Paul write this to a Gentile church talking about having a heart for Israel? Because that's what he wants us to have. I believe, listen, I love what your pastor's doing. You ought to be thankful for your preacher as he's bringing in missionaries and you're getting exposed, right? You know what? But don't forget Israel. Amen? These people need the gospel, right? And so when he says brethren, he's referring to us as Gentiles. You see his call here, but you see his compassion. My, watch what he says. Brethren, my heart's desire... We need to have a compassion for people here. I'm going to tell you what we do. And sometimes the longer we're a Christian, the more prone we are to do this. Where we just get hard toward people. We see, we see some young lady who's all tattooed up or pierced up, and we're like, yeah, well, what's wrong with that girl? But by the grace of God, there go we. Right? We need to have compassion for people. Multiple times in the Gospels, the Bible tells us about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that He was moved with what? Compassion. We need to have compassion for people. Paul says, my heart's desire. Can I tell you something? The job of reaching people in this community is not just the pastor. My wife and I moved to this area. We live up yonder, up the road, not too awfully far. And I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of people in this community who need Christ. They need the gospel, right? And that's why this church is here, to be a light. To, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, you go south of here, this Lexington, they need the gospel, amen? You see what they're doing? I won't even, I could get political right now, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to steer clear of that, brother. 
But you know what? We need to have a heart of compassion. Watch. I want you, if you get anything, get this. Watch for opportunities to give the gospel because I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes God will drop somebody right in front of you. And if you're too busy, you're going to miss it. We moved here about back in January. Before we moved here, I was trying to witness to my neighbor, Larry. He was up through the woods there. And one day I was out, this is just last year, not too long ago. I was out shoveling stone off my pickup truck for a job I was doing in my basement. And I, I was shoveling stone at, out of my pickup truck into a wheelbarrow. And I heard through the woods, I heard a chainsaw running. And I remember stopping with my shovel. I dropped this stone and I thought, what he's doing? He never runs a chainsaw. So I set my shovel down and this is what I did. I went and I grabbed three things. I grabbed some bottles of water. I grabbed my steel chainsaw. Amen. My steel chainsaw. And some gospel tracks. I drove up there and I said, hey, Larry, you need some help? They had a big old oak tree right behind his house. They had already wedge cut it. They had it cabled off to get it to fall right. And the guy was standing behind the tree getting ready to back cut it and drop it. He said, man, I'm glad you came. He said, uh, we're getting ready. I mean, it was a big old oak tree. And there was Larry, his cousin, and a neighbor from up the, up the road the other way. I wasn't there five minutes. That guy cut that tree. Whoa, boom. For the next two hours, you know what we did? Ran chainsaws, cut that tree all up, loaded it on a big old trailer. We had way too much to load. After two hours of doing that, we stopped. I said, hey, fellas, you want a drink? I gave each guy water. We stood there, opened that water. Larry introduces me to his, the other neighbor. He says, hey, this is Bill. He lives, and he pointed through the woods. He said he lives in that house over through the woods. And that other neighbor went like this. He said, oh, you're that preacher. I said, yeah, they, they, they know you. They know who you are. Your neighbors know who you are. He said, oh, you're that preacher. He said, can I ask you a question? This here coronavirus, I hear tell somebody, says that it's from God, and some people say it's from man. You're a preacher. Is it from God or is it from man? I said, man, I'm glad you asked that question. I said, I don't know if man did it. He probably did. But I'll tell you what. I said, but God has a plan. And God's plan is God's trying to get people to tell. What I just got done telling, I told these fellows that. I'm talking to three lost guys. I said, you know what? God wants people to be saved. You know how you get saved? Hey, listen, fellas, we're all sinners. And, and, we'll, and because of our sin, we'll go to hell. And the only way out of that is to go to God with a repentant heart and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I don't want to go to hell, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the dead, and I believe that I want you to save me. I started handing out tracts, amen? You know why? Because I heard a chainsaw running. I'm just telling you, we need to watch for opportunities. Paul here says, brethren, my heart's desire... Now watch this, and prayer to God. You know what? We need to pray for lost souls. On Wednesday night, we ought to pray for people who are sick. We ought to pray for people who are in the hospital. But we ought to pray for lost people. Do you see that principle right here? 
Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Is there somebody you used to pray for and you're not praying for them anymore? If we want to see people get saved here at Marlbrook, in this county, in this area, we better start praying for people by name. Amen? By the way, we ought to pray for Israel. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God will help us. <laughs> this virus, I, the one way I get these tracks into Israel is anytime a group's going, I give them. Well, they've been closed for the last year and a half. We, we've got no trace. You say, can't you ship them? <laughs> I wish. We've tried it. The Jewish postal workers, when they get any gospel literature, they'll take a knife to it or they'll throw it in the trash. We can't ship it. We can only hand carry it in. So we need pray for them to open the country. David wrote this. I'm going to tell you what it says in Hebrew. He wrote, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The only way they're ever going to find peace is through the Prince of Peace. Amen? They need Jesus. And so here, you see his call here, and then finally you see his concern, his compassion, his concern. Watch what he says here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God. Now I want you to look at your Bible. Does it say for Israel? Does your Bible say for Israel? Let's all say that together. Ready? For Israel. Can we say that one more time? For Israel. Does your Bible say that? You know what that tells me? It tells me you got the right Bible. It tells me you got the right Bible. You know why? Some modern versions, it doesn't say for Israel right there. What it says is for them. Now, when I see that, I have to ask myself the question, why would a modern version want to take Israel out of the New Testament? Well, it's fairly simple. There's a theology that goes behind translation. Just like what the Jehovah Witnesses do, they have a theology and then they write the Bible to fit their theology. Well, sometimes the people who do the translating believe in what's called Reformed theology. Now, a lot of bad stuff comes out of Reformed theology. We get Calvinism comes out of that. I don't believe that. But there's another thing called replacement theology. Replacement theology says that Israel is no longer significant because the church replaced Israel. That is not true. You cannot take a literal view of the Word of God and come up with replacement theology. God is not done with Israel, as we were talking about earlier. And so... Here, when it says, for Israel, your Bible ought to say, for Israel. Now watch what he says here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved. Saved. Amen? Do you know what Jesus calls us to be? Fishers of men. Can I tell you something? Take a gospel tract. You see this tract right here? Can you read that back from there? It says, thank you. You know where I found that? Right in that lobby right there. I was thinking when I was driving to church here tonight, most pe a lot of church people on Sunday go to eat after Sunday morning service. Where do you all go to eat from here? I hop. <laughs> where? Oh, 
Franks. Oh, okay, I know where you're talking, down the road here, right? You know what? I don't know, Frank, but he might need to be saved. I don't know. You know what? We stay in hotels sometimes because of our traveling. My wife now has a practice. I'm, I'm not kidding you, preacher. Before we set our luggage down, she'll say, do you have a couple dollar bills? We haven't even set our stuff down in the room, and she's getting a tract with a tip. The other day, she was getting it ready. She said, I need that tithe money. I mean, I mean, I, she was talking about it. She mixed it up, right? She's so good at doing that. Can I give you something brilliant here? You can't give out a tract that you don't have with you. Ladies, you got to have it in your purse to be able to leave it on the table. You got to be you got to have it to give it, right? And so he says here that they might be saved. Listen. Let me just share with you. Look for opportunities around you. And sometimes when God puts somebody in front of you, hit the brakes, amen. Let me tell you something. A soul getting saved is more important than anything you're doing. Anything you're doing. And sometimes God's going to drop somebody right in front of you for you to talk to. Back in 2018, my wife had never been to Israel, and I'd been there several times myself. And so um, we made a trip. I wrote the whole itinerary out. We, uh, we landed at Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv, rented a car, and... Uh, for the first half of that trip, we stayed with friends of ours right outside of Tel Aviv. We have friends who live there. We stayed with them, dear friends of ours. And uh, for the second half of the trip, I had found we were going up to the northern part of Israel. We had seen a lot of sites and that kind of thing. And so for the last half of the trip, we were going to stay up on the Sea of Galilee. So I found a place, believe it or not, on TripAdvisor, that's the truth, that showed this place was a real good place to stay. Inexpensive quiet. So that day was a big driving day. We were leaving our friends in Tel Aviv. I'll get, Karen, can you get me that map right there? I'll just show them real quick. If you don't mind, I'm going to give you a little tour here of what we did. I want to show you where we drove that day. So we're over here. You probably can't see this, but we're over on the Mediterranean here in Tel Aviv, and we drive down here to Beersheba and then over to the bottom of the Dead Sea. And so at the bottom of the Dead Sea, anybody here ever been to Israel? Yes, no? You've been to Israel? Okay, at the bottom of the Dead Sea, there's a place called Masada. It's a big plateau that sticks out of the desert. It's got a cable car. I don't know if you ever went there, but it's got a cable car that goes up to it. We went to Masada there. So I drove from Tel Aviv down to Beersheba over to the Dead Sea, stopped there, took in that site. Now it's about lunchtime, went up to the middle of the Dead Sea, where there's a place called Engedi. That's where David hid from Saul when Saul was chasing him. There's a bunch of caves back in. Let me tell you something. What the Bible says, something's there geographically. You go over there, it's there. Amen? Now, I don't need that to believe it, but it's like an exclamation point. Amen? We checked that site out, walked back there. There's a National Park Reserve. Then we went to the top of the, I'm riding, Route 90 goes from Elot all the way up here, up here. Route 90 runs the whole country. Uh, even numbers north and south, odd numbers, east and west. That's how they do it over there. So we're driving up Route 90, and we go to the top of the Dead Sea. There's a site called Qumran, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
Okay, and there's a bunch of caves there too, right? You can go back and look at the caves. There's a museum there. Caught some supper. Drive Route 90 from here up the Jordan River to the southwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. By now, it's about 7 o'clock at night. We pull in, and these are little cottages. It's on, got to get this, ready? Saturday. It's on Saturday. At the office, there's steps just like this. It's a platform, a porch leading to the office. There's a young lady sitting here, a young Israeli lady with a suitcase. I pull in. I stop him about where, hey, fellow, what's your name there? Yeah. What? Samuel. Samuel, great Hebrew name. Okay, I'm about that far from this girl where I parked my car. We get out, and the young lady says to me with a broken English, she says with Hebrew accent, she says, excuse me, if you are staying here, I believe the key is under the mat. And I walked toward her, and I said, oh, do you work here? And I could see she was upset, and she, and she was starting to cry. And she's sitting here with a suitcase. And she said, no, I, I did not work here, but I think the key is under the mat. I said, oh, okay. We moved our stuff into our little room. And I said to my wife, I said, there's something going on with that girl. I'm going to go check on her. So I went out, and this young lady sitting on these steps, I said, hey, uh, my name is Bill. Her name was Elah. I said, Elah, is everything okay? And she starts crying. Let me tell you something. People have the same problems no matter where they are in the world. And she starts crying. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And she sits there, and she's crying, and she tells me this story. She says, I came up here with my boyfriend for a few days. We love these places because you, you could see the Sea of Galilee off in the distance right there. She said, I love how beautiful it is. Came up with my boyfriend for a few days. We stayed here, but we just had a fight. And he cussed at me, and he cussed at me, and he cussed at me, and he has left. He's been gone for an hour. He told me he is not coming back. I'm here. I do not know what to do. I said, where do you live? Yerushalayim. <laughs> Brother, I'm up here to see if Galilee. Jerusalem is here, and I'm up here. That's two hours each way. She said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, Elah. I sat down next to her. I said, look, I said, I said, I'm a pastor. I said, when I don't know what to do, I pray. Could I pray for you? She's, she's crying. She says, yes, yes. I said, well, let's pray. I said, wait, first, I, say, I, I said in Hebrew, I need no three. I'm a Christian. I will pray in the name of Yeshua. I said there, okay. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I prayed in, I prayed in Jesus' name. I said, uh, I know you have a problem, but I want to talk to you about another problem. And I went like that, and I said, I said, can you see what that says? And in English, she said, yes, it says God's bridge to heaven. Right. I said, Elah, you see what this says? The problem of man is sin. It separates us from God. I said, and Elah, there's a place called Gehinom, hell. And that's where you'll go. And I said, you can't get there. And I showed her this track. I said, you can't get there by your religion, your good works, or your money. And then I showed her the good news. Derech Yeshua. Jesus is the way. Amen. And I walked her all the way through this. In the end, it says, God's bridge to heaven. And then here, sorry, and then here it says, Yeshua HaMashiach, 
Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is the answer. Now, she didn't get saved, but she listened well. When I was done, I gave her the tract, and I said, let's talk about your other problem. I said, can we get you a bus or maybe a taxi? I'll pay for the taxi. She said, no, no, no. Today is Saturday. What's the problem? It's a Sabbath. In Israel, everything shuts down on Saturday. They don't run buses and taxis. And I'm sitting there going to myself, no bus, no taxi. Here's this young lady. By the way, she's lost. And, she, and you know what? She's a sinner. She knew she was a sinner for what she was up there doing. Amen? Let me ask you a question. As Christians, do we help sinners? We help sinners. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, Eli, if we, if we can't find you a way home, I'm going to go get my wife. And my wife and I are going to drive you home to Jerusalem. That's two hours each way. It's, I've just driven half of Israel that day. No joke. And I mean, I'm tired. You ever do ministry when you're tired? She looked at me and she said, you, you would do this for me? I said, yeah. She said, but you are but a stranger. Amen. But yeah, amen. I'm a Christian too. Amen. She looked at me. She said, you, you, sir, are a very good man. She said, you are a very good man. She said, may I ask you a question? She said, do you happen to have, do you happen to have a son who is not yet married right now? It's <laughs> like, what? That girl was moving on, sister, amen? And you know what? She needed to move on from that creep. Aren't you glad for a, a young lady that finds a good guy? Amen. Amen. Right? For you young ladies right here, listen, what'd you learn in church? Yeah, yeah, you, you right here. Okay. <laughs> what'd you learn in church tonight when you go home? Now, you'd preach his daughter? No? Yes? Okay. Your friend, okay? When you go home tonight, both of you, what'd you learn in church tonight? Don't marry a creep. Okay, got that right? All right, okay. <laughs> You know what? I, I have prayed for that girl many, many times. But I would have never had that opportunity if I'd have gone in and laid down on my bed. Sometimes God's going to drop people right in front of you. And if you're too busy, you're going to miss it. Amen? Let's not get too busy to be a witness for our Lord. Amen? Paul says, brethren... My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Help us, Lord, to have compassion for souls. Help us to try to reach people with the gospel. Help us to take a tract and give it out. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you're here tonight. Listen, God loves you and Jesus died for you. If you've never been saved... Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. You don't put that off because you can't count on tomorrow. God loves you. Jesus died on that cross for you. He was buried and three days later, yes, he rose again from the dead because he's God. And he did that out of his love for you. And what he wants you to do is accept him as your savior. You're here tonight to say, 
Preacher, pray for me. I, I've never been saved. If that's your need, I, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I won't call your name or point you out. Just lift your hand right now. Pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. You're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but God spoke to my heart about just taking a gospel tract, maybe leaving it on the table, giving it to a co-worker. Would you pray for me on that count? Here's my hand. Anyone like that, pray for me. Thank you. I see your hands. Father, thank you for these hands and the hearts that raised them. We pray that you'll be with them. Help us all realize, Lord, we're all missionaries where you planted us. Help us to do that and fulfill that in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher. Yes, sir.